to start this year right, okay, not to make goals for yourself only, but to, we're going to talk about, it's called Pre-Decide. I'm not really happy with the title of that series, but it's it's the only way I could really uh, tell you guys what is on my heart, mind, and my spirit to preach this series throughout this month. But uh, before we begin in, into the actual the, the sermon, but what do you think, it, you don't have to say it out loud, just think about it. What is the difference between those people who are really, 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 really got it together? Now, nobody's got it 100% together, okay? But what's the difference between people that it seems like they're making the right choices, like their finances are, are healthy, their relationships are strong, they are generous, they serve God, God in ministry. They, if you watch them, and, and by the way, everybody needs the Lord. Everybody is, nobody is as strong as they think they are. I got that from a Rich Mullins song, but anyway. Um, but but if, we could, if you could evaluate them, you go, there is no doubt that they love God, and they're showing that, extending that love to the people around them. What is the difference between that person and maybe the rest of the world where we struggle with things? We struggle in our relationship with people. We struggle in our marriage. We struggle financially. We can't be generous because, I mean, we look at inflation and we go, oh, I can't afford, I, there's no margin financially. So how do I, how am I generous with my time? How am I generous with my finances? How am I generous with my my uh, resources? How am I generous with my talent? I mean, there's people like that. They struggle financially. They know there's more to life, but they can't quite grab it. Like they go, I want that. And they can't quite get to that, whatever that is. Like I want a good marriage, but they can't quite get it. I want to set aside some money. I want to, and they can't quite get it. I want to be able to be generous, but I can't quite get it. Like, what's the difference between someone that it seems like things are working together? Now, not everything works together for anybody, okay? But there's two different kinds of people. It's just you look at one, and no matter what they're dealing with, um, they love God. And I just realized that my computer's plugged. Can I plug it in really quick? This is, it's going to die if I don't. My ADD's kicking in anyway. <laughs> What? Squirrel? What? I'm kidding. Um, but here's the difference. It's not how smart or educated or how much, how much, what, what is on your, if you have a degree from some a high school or college, like I can look at my degree, I have a piece of paper that's worth $100,000 and I can go, ooh, ah, right? I can show it off. I don't even know where it's at. It's somewhere. I have no idea. <laughs> it's in my closet or somewhere, but it's, what's the difference? It's not, Smart people that do the right thing always because we've seen or maybe we've been the smart people that do stupid things, right? Or it's not the talented people only. Like you, we make excuses. I do. Well, that person over there is much better at this than I am. I'm just not that talented. So I'm not going to be used by God. I'm not going to be, they're just a better husband. They're just a better employee. They're just a better, you know, kid. They're just a better student, whatever. And it's not that because we've seen talented people go way below their potential in God. I've been that myself, where I use my, I would say, lack of talent. I would say I, I compare my talent with other people. It happens to pastors all the time, okay, preachers, and uh, how, how a, a, a pastor can preach and manage the church and do it. And, and it's so easy to go, oh. And, we, and it's not that. I have actually, the difference between someone that, that they're doing the right thing Versus that 
relationships aren't working, finances aren't working, um, business isn't working, their, their love for God is wavering, their commitment to God is wavering. What's the difference? It, it's this. It's simple. It's decisions. Okay, everybody say decisions. Like it's not any more spiritual than that. It's choosing the right thing or choosing the wrong thing. Okay? And, and so our decisions are the number one, duh, it's the number one factor that we have in life to determine what kind of life we're going to have. What kind of life are you going to have in 2023? What's 2023 going to look like to you? Well, first of all, a side note, it's we can't control everything in the year coming up, right? You can't control what other people do. You can't control what people say. You can't control what the weather's like. You can't control the condition. Sometimes you can't control the condition of your vehicle or your car or, or, or your, your house or, or sometimes things happen. you you might think you're in a good marriage and all of a sudden it just turns sour like that, you think? So we can control certain things. I will say it this way and it's pretty extreme, but the quality of your decisions determines the quality of your life. Again, we're not talking about those things out of your control. Sometimes you make the, let me just be very blunt with you. Sometimes you make the right choice. You make the godly choice. You make the, you stand up for God and things don't work out anyway. Okay. That's just the honest truth. Most people won't admit that. Okay. Some people will say, if you make the right choice with God, everything's going to work out everything, no matter what. That's just not true. Okay. We've said this in the past in our own life. Years ago, we'd be like, it seems like the people who are making the stupidest choices. They're the ones that are doing their, their quote, we won't say blessed, but they're, they're advancing in their lot in their life. Okay. Their marriage seems to be perfect or their relationship seems to be good. Their finances seem to be good. And we, we stood up for God. We went, we did the right thing. We said no to this. We said yes to that. And it still doesn't work out. So we're not going to talk about those things out of our control. We're going to focus this this year, we're going to focus especially in this series, the choices that you make, okay? How you respond to things and the quality of your decisions determines the quality of your life. It's, it's really all about perspective. I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example. I might, you see, because New Year's, for most of you guys, I, I won't say this, some of you guys have resolutions, goals right? Some of you guys, and I say, it'd be nice to lose 10 pounds. Now, I realize there's a lot of things I could cut out in my life, and I will lose 10 pounds tomorrow. If I get rid of ice cream, if I don't drink soda, if I get rid of the creamer that I have in my coffee that's some full of chemicals, it's full of sugar, whatever, it's a chemical. Okay, I got you. If I would just quit that, I would probably lose 30 pounds. I got you. But if I said, if I said, I want to lose 20 pounds, that's my decision. That's my, that is my goal in life. But then I go to like the other day, drive downtown and go to the pit stop and I get a little Ben and Jerry's ice cream. That's a poor decision. If you want to lose 20 pounds, trust me. Well, sometimes I'll eat ice cream. I still lose weight. Is that true? Sometimes and it makes Lydia mad. But that's not always the case. I think I'm in a, I'm in the season of life that it's not, I'm not losing weight. <laughs> so, so I'm actually the opposite. When I had COVID, one of the best things, I lost like 20 pounds. And Lydia said, you're too skinny. That's, she sounded like what I sound like when we were in college. I was too thin. But, um, I won't let you down anymore. I won't be too thin for you. Don't worry about that. I'm, do, I'm eating the ice cream for you 
Okay. But that's a bad decision. When, if you make a goal at the front of the year to say, no, I'm, I'm going to actually lose 20 pounds, but then you make the choice, you make a decision to eat the extra thing of ice cream or the extra helping of spaghetti because there's never enough spaghetti. You have to pile it up and put the melted cheese on there and put more and then put Parmesan on there. And then you got to put this and that. And then you need another bowl afterwards. Then you got to eat it for, for lunch. Not me, just other people, right? Okay. Um, that would be a bad choice. Let's say I want to save money this year. I want to stick to a budget, okay? One of the greatest things my mom ever taught me was uh, in, through Dave Ramsey. She, she would teach us the Dave Ramsey. This, when we were struggling financially throughout our marriage, we did the money system, like putting some cash, getting cash, and putting these envelope system. Where did we learn that from? My mom. My mom was very, very financial. I mean, you'd probably agree this financially savvy, very smart. One of the most, one of the smartest people financially. She just knew how to make the choices, and I learned that from her. And we've got ourselves out of some pickles and some jams financially over the years, and we're doing fine. Okay, but let's say I want to stick to a budget, and then I'm looking, I'm shopping online, or I go to Walmart and I start putting stuff in the cart that I don't really need. I'm just impulse buying. Don't raise your hand if that, you have a problem with that. But you're like, ooh, that would look good there. Or that, I need that. I need that. We've all done that. Let's say I want to stick to a budget, but I start buying stuff I don't need, and then the budget's shot. That's a bad, that's a poor choice. Okay? That's a poor choice. It is. If you're making the goal to stick to a budget, that's a poor choice. Let's say I want, I make a goal. I want to be kind and wise with my words, but then I make the decision to be harsh with my words to people that make me mad. That's a decision. I make a goal in my life. I want to honor God by what I'm saying to people. I don't want to tear them down. I don't want to cut them off. I don't want to, you know, when they're down, kick them while they're down. I want to, I want to encourage people. I want to do the hard thing. I want to bless those who curse me. That's almost impossible. Without God, it is impossible. But if I make that goal, I want to treat other people well with my words. But then I decide to get really angry and let my anger out. That's a poor decision. That's a poor decision. See, I learned early on that I'm not a naturally good decision maker. I won't have you raise your hand. But don't raise your hand on this one. But how many of us would be natural good decision makers? Like, this is, this is who you are versus how many of us, if we're being honest, we have poor decision-making habits because it's impulse decisions. We don't put a lot of thought into our decision-making. That's why we're calling it pre-decide, okay? Now, I could have used a million different stories from my childhood, throwing a rock at a window and running away and then getting caught because they were there, Okay? Long story short, I had to pay, I had to work off and pay for that window. That's hard for a little kid. Don't do that when you're a kid or a grown up. It's not good. Okay. But when I was in college, I was a full time student. I worked at the cafeteria. I was a youth pastor. I don't know how I did it. And it was one of the hardest things I've ever done is be a youth pastor. It's not the easiest thing in the world. Okay. Things have changed in the culture. So it'd be even harder now. Okay. Like, I'm still old school. You can't really, Jesus doesn't change, but the method often changes to reach the kids, okay? And, and, and that is the hardest thing for my brain and my heart to grasp because I went to school and they taught you a certain way. 
Uh, anyway, that's I'm, now I'm venting, but um, it's cheaper than uh, therapy. But anyway, but I remember I had I, I when I was young, I was a youth pastor, and I had a lot of energy. I don't have any energy now. It's, a, it's everything you see is fake. But uh, we had an overnighter. That's how much energy I had. Let's have all the kids be at the church all night, running around, making sure they're not doing stupid stuff, making sure the boys and the girls aren't going sneaking off to the upstairs part of the, the church building. Um, beside that and doing stupid stuff or leaving the church building and going down the road to the 7-Eleven that was down the road or to the Safeway that was over that side of the church. Don't. And so I was all night, all night, all night, Saturday morning rolls around. I'm still awake going, uh, what? And I have to get back to school. Like I have stuff I have to get done before Sunday for Sunday school and for Monday for, for school. I had to get homework done. I had to, I wanted to relax. I've been up all night. And so I'm waiting for the parents to pick up the kids, okay? Like, okay. And, and, and so every kid gets picked up except for this brother and sister duo. They were great people, except for the fact that their parents didn't show up. So I'm by myself with them, knowing I have to get back to school. I'm like, oh, I'm tired. I'm dirty. I want a shower. I want right now to go back to school. And so I have, my goal is to take care of these junior hires. Not abandon them. Would that be a good thing, right? Not abandon these junior hires at church. Nobody's at the church that sees this a, a brother and a sister and me. That's it, waiting for mom and dad. They don't show up. Now, I had a cell phone at the time. Okay, it looked a lot different than cell phones these days. But I could have called mom and dad. That was the first decision that I made that I did not, I, I did not do. That was a choice that I made, and that was wrong. And I said, hey, I don't remember their name. It's just sad. That's how long ago it's been. But Billy and Susie, that was not their name. But I have got to get back to, I got to get back to Northwest College. I got to get back there. I gotta, you just stay. It had to be these high steps to get to the front of the church. Just sit right here. Your mom and dad's going to get here. You'll be fine. I'm out of here. I drove. Now, how many of us know that's wrong? That's wrong. It's, it's stupid. It's obvious. Don't. Do that. Do not abandon junior hires, especially even high schoolers, but especially junior high. What could have happened to them? What happens if they were kidnapped? What if they ran away? I wouldn't be here right now. I'd be in prison or something. I don't know what I'd be, but I'd be, they, the parents would have killed me. But I get back to the dorm and, and my phone rings and it says, Pastor Tom, that's my pastor, led me to the Lord. He was my senior pastor at the time. Oh, what now? Don't answer. Okay, I better answer. And he's just yelling. I'm in big trouble. I'm, I'm, I guess I'm done being youth pastor. No, I did not get fired. But he said, the parents are really, 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 really mad at you for leaving. And I started making excuses. But now I'm a parent. Because when you're not a parent in college, you're like, what's the big deal? These kids, they're, they're 12, 13, who cares? They're all, when I was 12 and 13, I would, I'd walk all the way across the city. Yeah, and I got in trouble. But... The parents were not happy. They were threatening leaving the church. This is not good. And it was my fault. That was a poor, 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 poor choice. But I learned my lesson. You know what the lesson I learned? Never, ever, 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 ever do an overnighter again. True story. Never, ever, ever. Just if you have an overnighter, End at 11 o'clock. See, it never happened again. Because I'm a genius. No, I was stupid. It was stupid. I 
felt miserable for a long time after that. I couldn't quite get away from that idea how poor that decision was, what could have happened, what, what might have happened. Um, they were fine. But what we're going to do is we're going over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about the power of our decisions. Because this is important because uh, the quality of your decisions will determine the quality of your life. I want a God-honoring, godly life, but if I make poor choices all the time, I'm never going to get there. And so before we begin this entire series of individual talks about what we're dealing with, let's, why do we struggle with making good decisions? My answer for myself is I'm stupid. Now you're like, don't say that. No, it's just I will make stupid choices. I just, I'll be lazy or I'll not think through it a little bit. I can't use the excuse when I was younger, well, your brain's not as developed as it will be. Now, a 41-year-old man, maybe our brain's not as fully developed yet. I have no idea. I'll go with that. Yeah, it's not fully developed yet. I'm still getting there. God's going to, God's going to, he's going to mature my brain. He's going to mature me. Why do we struggle to make good decisions? Well, the first reason why we struggle to make good decisions, even the most godliest of, of us all, is the number one thing is we are overwhelmed with choices. Now, I've heard this throughout my Christian life. I've heard sermons like this. And they say, I don't know who they are, but some people who do the study, they say that every single day, the average person, whether you work or retired or have kids or you don't have kids, it doesn't matter. You are on an average day, you make 35,000 decisions. That's a lot of decisions. I'm talking about, it, it, you know, decisions from when you wake up, am I going to get up right away or am I going to hit the snooze button? Or if you don't even need an alarm, then la-di-da. Wow. You know, I need an alarm every single day, um, even today. But uh, we are faced from the moment we wake up to the moment we go to bed, we make decisions a little bit here and there. Some decisions are insignificant. What kind of drink am I going to drink? Am I going to get a Mountain Dew or am I going to get drink water? I think I'll go with Mountain Dew. It's got water in it. But, um, you know, you know, you stand there in front of the ice cream thing at the store and you're like, Rocky Road or the Black Cherry whatever. And, oh, if I get Black Cherry, nobody's going to eat that. And they won't be tempted to eat it. I'm grabbing that one. You know, um, it's New Year's. I, I'm just talking about food a lot. But um, they actually, I read this. It was actually, um, sociologists have coined the term decision fatigue, that the more the more decisions you have to make in an average day, the quality goes down because you start getting tired of it. The, the muscle in your brain that decides this or that, A or B, black or white, this, you're going to go to work this way or that way. How, which way are you going to go to the church? You're going to go that way or you're going to go this way? Every little decision, your brain starts to get really, really tired. And you decide, all of a sudden, your choices get worse and worse and worse and worse. And that's why some of us have a hard time making good choices because we have way too many choices. We overanalyze everything. And the second thing is a personal struggle with mine. Especially if you're a Christian, you're going to, some of us struggle with this. You're afraid of making the wrong choice. In other words, let me spiritualize and make it sound more Christian. We are afraid to miss God's will. So if I'm sitting there in my life, let's say 2023, I'm waiting for three months to get an answer for the Lord and I don't get any quote answer 
audibly. I don't get it through my reading. I don't get it through the Bible. I'm praying, but I don't quite hear what he wants me to do. It happens, right? Oh, you're nervous. I'm not, it's not a trick question. Yes, it happens. Sometimes when you want God's will for your life, sometimes he's not going to answer it right away. Okay? You might have It's true. There are times when we have to make a decision, what's God's will? And there's times where we go, oh, what is it? And so we don't want to miss God's will. So what do we do? We don't make any choice. We wait. And some of us have been waiting to do God's will for 20 years because you don't know quite know what it is. Okay? And we make a decision to not make any decisions. In, I wrote this down. I even underlined Indecision is actually a decision. Indecision is the enemy of progress and growth. And 2023's main agenda, I believe, in my life and your life, is in your relationship with God. See, progress and growth in in the worldly sense, that doesn't necessarily matter, you know. I'm talking about in your relationship with God and with His will in your life and His in His His uh, the ministry that God's called you. We need to focus on the progress that He's going, even a step forward, and growth. Because indecision is actually the enemy of progress and growth. I can't step forward if I'm standing still. Okay? Maybe at the beginning of the year, the best thing to do is to stop. This might sound contradictory, but stop. And make the decision, Lord, I'm going to follow after you, Jesus. And then you go. Sometimes we're afraid to make the wrong choice. And by the way, that's not the end of the world. Allow Jesus to speak to your heart. And if your heart, if you don't know what the Lord specifically, like, oh, how many of these do I need to do? You need to go into your heart and say, God has given me a brand new heart. He has. And he gives you the desires of your heart. Some people, I have Christians who will say, no, the, they'll quote scripture, the heart is the wickedness, the most evil thing of all. Yeah, right before Jesus it is. What happens when you're saved? Brand new. You're a new creation in Christ. Now, we make stupid choices still because that old man gets resurrected. It does. But the reality is you have a brand new heart. You, Through the power of the Holy Spirit, you have the ability to make the right decision every single time. We don't always do it. I don't always do it. But you, if, if you don't know what God wants you to do, what is your heart saying? What, what, what is that, that the, the Spirit saying inside of you? Some of us might get a little nervous with that. I don't trust myself. Then you're going to be indecisive for the rest of your life and waiting for a fire in the sky that's going to be written out. It's like the Wicked Witch in The Wizard of Oz. She's on her broom and she's up in the sky and she's writing in there. We're waiting for that. Lord, just give me a sign. He's like, I've, you've waited 20 years and you've done nothing. Well, it's because we're afraid of making the wrong choice. Here's a, number three, the last one of why we make poor choices. Why do we struggle with this? Is we allow emotions to overrule logic in our lives. We live by emotion and not just thinking through things. We, this is silly, but we spend way too much analyzing and wrestling over decisions that just don't matter. I'll give you a silly example. It, it's true a lot of times. I will spend 25 to 30 minutes trying to pick something to watch on Netflix. Do you remember in the old days when you had the little clicker? Maybe it's not the old days. Maybe it's now for some of us. You know when you had to change a channel? And they used to click. 
That's why we call them clickers, right? Or, you know, the very first time that my parents got a satellite dish and you had a channel that had all the, what was playing at that time, scrolling, and you're sitting there going, it's six o'clock. It's a really serious deal. I mean, it's really, it's a, but Netflix, you don't click anymore, but you scroll. Nope, nope, nope. And then so I'll spend 30 minutes trying to pick something, and then I have five minutes to watch the episode because I've got to go to bed and get ready for the next day, okay? Okay, so I guess I'll go watch Little House on the Prairie. They're, they talk about the Bible and that, you know, and uh, I like that show anyway. Uh, but I actually let, I overanalyze decisions, how stupid they really are, but then I'll take some serious choices in my life and I'll just not even think about it, not even analyze it at all. I just fly by the seat of my pants for things that really matter because that's that's human. To overanalyze things that don't really matter and to just fly by the seat of your pants for the things that do matter. Like what kind of ice cream am I going to buy? I just sit there for five minutes. and It's interesting working at the grocery store how long some people take to pick a Pepsi or a cherry Pepsi. They're like, I go, oh, I need to be there, but I'm going to go down the other aisle for a second and not, not wait. And then I'm going back 10 minutes later and they're still there going, you know, these decisions don't, there's not life changing. Okay. Um, you know, I do things that don't, I, I overanalyze, but then the people that matter to God, to matter to me, God, my wife, my son, you guys, the people I work with, I, I'll fly by the seat of my pants and, and, uh, I'll just go, you know, eh, I don't want to, I don't want to treat the things that matter on accident. I want to take this year and I want to purposefully be purposeful about the things that really matter and the things that don't matter in my life. I'm not going to stress over those little things. Let's be honest, some of the things that we worry about are very, very light. But if you're human, you wrestle over those things. But how much sleep do you lose? How much stress do you induce in your life? How much do you make yourself sick just worrying about things that don't really matter? We need to be focused on the things that really do matter and not fly by the seat of pants with those things. When it comes to what to watch on Netflix and what kind of ice cream you get, it would be better if I just didn't do those things. But the reality is I'm going to, I'm just going to fly by the seat of my, if I don't want to watch something for the night, great. I'll go read or do something productive, right? I'll go do sit-ups or something. You're right. Um, I'll give you an example about, uh, you know, my emotions, um, kicking in and not my logic. Like, um, you know, somebody in my life will, will say something or do something that makes me mad. How many of that happens to people in, in the year? Somebody says something or does something that kind of rubs you the wrong way. And, and logically, you know, and even spiritually, you know, I can't just bleh right over them. I've got to think about it. I've got to process what they're saying. Maybe they have a point. Maybe they're not wrong. Maybe they just didn't say it the right way. But I need, but instead of that, I let my emotions kick in and I just yell back or I get really mad back. Logically, I know I need to treat them well. But emotionally, I say, I want to get so mad at you. I want to get mad back at you, and I want to get even with you. Th- that happens to me often you know, uh, in my life. Or 
Here's another one that happens to all of us. A temptation will come your way. Okay? Now, let's just use an example. If, let's use the men and women are tempted all the time. But let's, let's say the men here and the temptation, it could be anything, but let's say the temptation is represented by a beautiful woman or a beautiful car. I'll do that. I'll stay away from that whole. Let's say it's a beautiful car and it drives in here. And you're like, ooh, that is a nice 1957 cherry red Bel Air. I want that right now. How many of us would want a 57 Chevy? Oh, man. 57 Ford? Yeah, nobody. Those were ugly. <laughs> but it, it, your temptation's driving in here. Beautiful. Logically, I say, you know what? I can't afford the gas in that thing. I, can't, I don't have a garage to keep it clean. I'm going to be one of those owners of a classic car that's going to ruin it by the elements. And your temptation rolls in here, and logically, you know, stay away from it. Okay? Or, guys, beautiful woman walks in. And you're tempted, and you say, you logically say, I got to stay away from her because that's dangerous. Right? How many of us would admit that's if you're a guy or a girl, you know, I got your girl in the guy walks in here all he's got his shirt off and he's mowing the lawn or something now if i did that everybody would be like what in the world is he doing i keep my shirt on when i mow trust me okay but the guy goes out and you go so logically everybody knows stay away from that don't get near that don't touch the stove's hot but then your emotions kick in that's going to feel good that temptation whatever it is because our emotions kick in See, something that I wish I was told at 18 years old, but nobody told me. Now, I had wonderful parents that helped me, helped me, for the most part, make good choices with um, life-changing decisions. Not always, but for the most part, I, I feel like I've, ma- I've married the person that God wanted me to marry. I feel like I've went into the job that God wanted me to. Okay, I haven't always been successful on that. But I wish that someone would tell me at 18 years old, not even 18, I wish someone would tell me at 16 years old. Okay, Don't make permanent decisions based on temporary emotions. You don't have to be 16 years old to get that advice. We could be 66 years old, 76 years old, 56 years old, 41 years old. Don't make a permanent decision based on just the heat of the moment. Don't buy that house in the heat of the moment. Don't buy that car in the heat of the moment. Don't date that person in the heat of the moment. Don't get married in the heat of the moment. Stop for a moment. Stop for a season. Stop for three months. Stop for whatever and think through things. Is this what you really want to get yourself involved in? Do you really need to buy that house right this second? Or do you need to wait? Do you need to sell that? Or do you need to hold on to it for a little bit? Do you, do you need to, whatever the case may be, don't make permanent decisions based on the heat of the moment, things that show up. I think God, for when God laid on my heart who to marry, where to move to, 
I thank God for those moments. There are moments I go, I should have done this. I should have done that. I should have done that. Again, I'm not going to live in the past, but there are times I go, oh, I should have done that instead of this. But I thank God for that because I love my little family. You know, it's like, you know, there's me and, me and Lydia, you know, it, it, we're opposite a lot of ways, so we could easily rub each other the wrong way. Anybody else married to someone or been married to someone like that? But it's like a puzzle piece since Lydia loves puzzles. It works. And I thank God for it, but it's because I didn't let my emotions or my whatever to oh, to, to make a like a permanent decision just on the heat of the moment. I really felt in my heart that that was a, that's just an example, a choice that I was supposed to make, that God was leading me that direction. Um, doesn't always make it easy. So that was the introduction to the series right there. But you know, the best way to live, the best way to grow, the best way to love people, the best way to have a God-glorifying life is to decide now what you're going to do later. It's to pre-decide. It's to resolve in your heart that you're going to do something before you even get in the heat of the moment. To stop your life for just a moment and say, this is what I want my life to be about for the rest of my life. And I resolve to make it about that. I'm not going to make it on the heat of the moment that it just shows up at the doorstep. Oh, I have to make a decision right now. You make a decision right now. I want to glorify God in my life. I want to, I want to make my, my marriage the strongest it could be. I want to deepen my walk with God and I have resolved in my heart, this is what it is right here. When something bad happens in my life, I stick to my, res- my resolutions, if you will, my, my resolve. This is what my life is about. I have chosen in my heart. This is what my life is about. This is what my value is. This is what matters. I'm sticking by that no matter what life brings me. So it's the power of pre-deciding. This is the best discipleship tool I can give you. I mean, I can give you a Bible study. I, I could give you a, a, a video series. I could show you a YouTube video. I could give you a book. Those are great. All those are wonderful discipleship tools. But the best thing that you could do right now for this year, all of us, those of us watching online, is the power of pre-deciding. Choosing beforehand what your life's about. And then when you're faced with a choice, you know exactly what to say yes to and you know what to say no to. Because how do you know? Am I supposed to do this or not? It's based on the resolution, the, re- the resolve of your heart that you have made, your values. And if my, if this situation is not part of my values, no. If it's, if it lines up with my values and what my life's about, of course I'm going to be part of that. I'm going to be involved in that. Yes. You're like, where is the Bible? I'll give you a verse that I love. Okay. Proverbs 16.3. Here's a resolution we can make before the year's over or before the year, before the year's over. You have a whole year. But, um, I'm going to read a proverb a day because there's 31 of them and you can read, you could read one proverb every day of the month. Two, one, well, those that have 20, or have uh, 30 days. But Proverbs 16.3, I love this. Commit to the Lord whatever you do and he will establish your plans. I love that. Whatever you fill your time with, obviously not sin, 
This is not giving you permission to sin. I'm just committing my sinful life to God, and he's going to let it pass. No. If I go to my life, and I go to my life, and I look inside of my heart, and I say, I want my life to be about God. I want it to be about his, his I want to be about each other. I want to be about loving people. I'm going to commit that to the Lord. He is going to make it happen. I want to commit my marriage to the Lord. I want to commit my parenting to the Lord. I want to commit my work life to the Lord. I want to commit the church to the Lord. I want to commit my finances to the Lord. I want to commit my time to the Lord. I want to commit my friendships to the Lord. If we commit to the Lord ahead of time with the things and plans that we have, He will make it come to pass. Did you know God wants His will for your life to be accomplished more than you do? So his will will be done. So you might as well get on board with it. You might as well you might as well decide beforehand. I'm going to do the will of my Father this year. You make that predecision. Jesus said, "If you seek first His kingdom and His righteousness first, everything else will be added to you." So let's commit to Him, and He will help us plan ahead make the right decisions, make the right choices, and this year is going to go great. You can't control everything, but the things that you can control, it will go great if you go decide ahead of time. This is what it looks like. It's kind of weird here, but you have to fill in the blanks yourself. When faced with blank, I have pre-decided to blank. I'll give you a few examples. You're like, what does that even mean? Okay. With faced with blank, I have pre-decided to blank. Now, I was in my home. I was in my bedroom practicing this out loud. And I was like, what is the first thing that comes to my mind for me personally? Okay. I, I, an example I wrote down here. When I'm faced with financial hardship, that's an example. The years could be different. I have pre-decided to still tithe and to give to missions in my life. No matter what. I have made the choice in my life before the hardship shows up. This is an example. Why did I choose this one? I did it for me. Okay. Churches get nervous when pastors talk about money, okay? It's just truth. But in my life, in my life, maybe not yours, okay, my life, I have pre-decided that no matter what, 10%, boom. Missions, boom. Because here's the problem, and we've been there, done that. Life happens, and then you, you, you face financial hardship, and you go, I can't afford to be generous, it's happened to us. But I don't remember what year it was that we just decided we predetermined, we determined our life. We're, I don't care how poor we are. If I make a dollar a year, which I make more than that, but if I make a dollar a year, God's getting 10 cents. Because I'd, I, this is, this might sound a little greedy to you. I'd rather God bless 90% than to have no blessing over 100%. I, it's just truth. And God has blessed us. Over and over and over and over. He's always faithful. He always is. So that's an example. I have, when I'm faced with financial hardship, I have already pre-decided to tithe and to give to missions. Period. I am not letting my outside circumstances dictate what I've decided in my heart. That's just something. Okay. Let's say we have a problem with impulse buying. Happens. 
we have gotten a credit card debt over impulse buying or we just don't need that thing or we bought something that we shouldn't have bought, that car or that house or that second home or whatever, we, we, or just the stuff that we throw in the cart that we don't really need. I, maybe we have a problem with that. And so we, I will say in my life, whenever I'm tempted to buy an impulse item, when I'm faced with impulse buying, when it's sitting, when that thing is sitting there on the shelf, just twinkling in the light, just beautiful. It's golden. Oh, man. When I'm faced with that, I have pre-decided to wait three days before I buy it. Because after three days, you go, boy, I'm, I'm glad I didn't buy that. Or you go, you know what? It's actually the right thing. Okay, let's buy it. But I need it right now. I'm talking about those impulse buying, not your bills. Okay. I pre-decided not to even worry about my bills. Okay, then you're going to be in trouble. Okay. Let's say, this is a big one for some people, for me too. Let's say I have a problem with worrying. When faced with worry or anxiety, I have pre-decided to immediately stop my worry and stop my anxiety and 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 turn those worries into prayers. I'm going to immediately, I pre-decided to pray over myself, over my family, over the church, over my anxiety-ridden situation, Whatever the case may be, I have pre-decided I'm going to turn that anxiety in immediately to prayer. Not tonight when I get home. Now. Why? Because if you don't make that determination that I'm going to actually stop when I'm anxious, you're like, I'm going to be praying all the time. Well, Paul said pray without ceasing, so you're going to be biblical. If you worry all the time, you're going to be very biblical, very blessed. Okay, but I don't care if I'm driving. I don't care if I'm at work. I don't care if I'm in Orfino working, which I have to be there tomorrow. I don't care where I'm at and the anxiety kicks into my heart. I will stop wherever I'm at and I will pray for the situation. I will pray for myself. I'll pray for my family. I'll pray for the church. I'll pray for whatever. I will pray for it and I will go over that and I will stop and I will get into this, my, go back to my life. I've made that determination in my life, that predecision. No matter what. Because if I don't make that, trust me, my anxiety is going to get the best of me and I will feel ill. And I will be the worst version of myself. Maybe I get angry at people. I, get, I, I, I struggle with getting angry at people and I struggle with giving them a piece of my mind. So when I'm faced with anger situations, ang- angry situations, I have pre-decided to stop the conversation for at least one minute. If I get a, if I get a voicemail or I get an email or I get a Facebook message or whatever the case may be, I will not immediately respond to them right there, right then. I will wait a little bit. You're like, Joel, you're really learning a lot here this year. Listen to me. I've been guilty of responding at the heat of the moment by my words. But if I pre-decide, you know what, every single time that I'm faced with a situation where someone makes me angry, I have pre-decided that I'm going to wait a minute at least, maybe a day, to respond to that email, to respond to that text. You know, if you're, if you're like me and you get a text and you text someone back, or you text someone and they don't respond to you right away, you get a little nervous or you're like, they don't like me, right? What, they're mad at me. No, maybe they're just thinking about the, what they're actually going to say. They're smart. 
I need to be more like that. So you got to make that predecision when faced with situations. When I'm faced with whatever, I have predecided. This is what I predecided. You have to fill in the blank. I gave you some examples from my own life. Okay, in the Bible there are many examples for people predeciding. I, we were not going to read them, but in Genesis 22, God asked Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac. How many of us? That's your favorite story in the Bible. Actually. I'll be honest, I think God can handle it. I hate that story. I just do, I, it just messes with me. But I will say something about Abraham. He, before he got to that decision, before he made that, had to make the choice to actually grab his son, bind him up, and, and, and almost go through with it. A few years before that, he made a decision in his life. He predecided God is trustworthy. And when he calls me to do things that are hard, he's going to show up. And so he had that determination in his heart. He determined his heart. This is God is trustworthy always. So he'll call me to do hard things, but I can still trust him. Then all of a sudden that God calls him to grab his son, his one and only son, and take him and sacrifice him. Now, I hate that story. The good news is God, he says, stop it. I have some, I have, it's an illustration of Jesus coming and, and dying in your, in your behalf. But he made the pre-decision to say, I'm going to trust God no matter what. So when a hard thing happens, I'm going to trust God. Ruth is another example. Ruth doesn't get a lot of airtime often in churches, but Ruth made a strong commitment to a woman named Naomi. And Ruth predecided to Naomi, wherever you go, whatever you're about, I'm, I'm there with you. I'm going with you. I don't care how hard it gets. I don't care what kind of attack we get against us. I'm going with you. Your, your God is my God. Your people is my people. I'm doing it. She made that decision. So when, when things were hard or when, 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 when the enemy started attacking the people of God, she already made that decision. I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to be there with you because that's who I am. Then there's Daniel. In a few weeks, we're going to talk about Daniel a little bit. We've already mentioned him a few years ago in a series. I did through Daniel, and that was through weeks and weeks and weeks of Daniel and that whole story of the Israelites going into captivity, going to Babylon. And we, we've, we've, we've mentioned that. I won't rehash it here, but Daniel is the king of predecisions. The king takes all the Israelites, including Daniel and his friends, to a foreign land, and they make them learn their stuff, learn the education. Do the, get the, the, my values of this country is going to be your values now. And not to mention that, you get to eat all the food that the king eats. And guess what? If you're Jewish, you can't just eat things. In my opinion, it's very legal. I'd be in trouble. I mean, I've had ham and stuff like that. I'd be in trouble. But he determined in his life, Daniel did, I'm not going to defile my life by eating foreign food. He already did that. In fact, Daniel 1.8 says this, but Daniel resolved. Everybody say, but Daniel resolved. Ready? But Daniel resolved. He predetermined. He had a resolution in his heart not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. He did not wait until he was in the dining room to make that decision. He made that decision years before that I'm going to live for God. The values that we have there are these Jewish customs, these Jewish values that we look at and go, well, 
What's the big deal? I'm going to grab that steak. I'm going to grab that piece of ham. What's the big deal? None of us would really worry about it. But get the point of this is he determined his heart what he values, what God values. And he stuck by his guns with that value no matter what. And it could have ended his life. No, you're going to eat that right now because you're going to become just like us. You don't have a people anymore. The Jewish people, eh, nope, you're part of us. And he said, nope, I'm not going to eat the the wine. I'm not going to eat the choice food. I'm not going to eat it. Daniel resolved. He determined ahead of time. He made up his mind. Another translation said, he purposed in his heart. I like that term even better than resolve. Or Yeah, I like he purposed in his heart. I want to purpose in my heart the things that God wants for me. So as we move into the new year, as we get ready to close this, this is a perfect opportunity to honor God with your life. My question would be, is what do you value? And then I was thinking about yesterday, I was practicing this, I had to add the word who next to it. What do you value or and who do you value? If I value God and I value the people that I have in my life, if I have if I value the people in my in my sphere of influence, it's going to de- it's going to determine the direction of my life. What do I value? If I value spiritual growth and time with the Lord, I'm going to carve out time to be with the Lord. If that's my value. If my value system is completely away from God, I'm never going to really do the things that God wants me to do. I'm going to go with those values every single time. If I truly value God and I truly value the people around me, if I truly, uh, if I, if my family and my family and God, what do I value? In other words, what do I want my life to be about? What do I want to be known by? When, when you, when you ask people about Joel, what will they say about me? What will they say I'm about? This year, let's commit everything to the Lord. See, what do you value? When when your values are clear, then your decisions are easier to make. When when you can sit down and even write out, physically write it out, type it out, whatever the case may be, write out your values. What do you value? Who do you value? And, And why? Why? Why do you value that? Like, I, I, God, my family, maybe you value exercise. Okay, why? Just, why do I value God? Why do I value my family? Why do I value the, my exercise or losing weight? What, why? Then you can kind of determine your, your, your motivation. And, but when my values are crystal clear, then my decisions are easier. I know when to say no. I know when to say yes. Because either they line up with the values that God's given me or not. If something's coming my way that does not line up with the values that God gave me, guess what I say? Oh, yes or no? Um, um, uh, you already know. No. If something comes your way and it matches the values that God has, oh, is God really calling me to that? To actually honor him with my time? Hold on, I got to think about this really quick. No, you already, yes, I'm going to. You value it. You don't have to wrestle over God's will for the things that he's laid upon your heart, the values that he has. If I'm going, if, if my value is to spend more time with God this year and to spend time with him no matter what, then I don't have to wrestle with the fact that God wants me to or not. 
Yes. Period. Okay? When I know what and who I value, then the yes or no makes it's crystal clear. See, in this series, we're going to go through six pre-decisions, and I'm just going to briefly go through them, and we'll be done, because I found this that really, I, I love this. Because we're going to talk about different things. Like, I am on the left. I am ready. In 2023, I am ready. We're going to be ready for whatever the enemy has for us. Because there's going to be, when you take the right, when you make the the first step and you go towards God, guess who's taking another step? The devil. Because he's not going to be happy with you. But not only that, but I I am ready for what God has for me. I'm not going to fly by the seat of my pants. I'm going to be prepared. And I'm going, I am consistent. I'm going to be consistent in my time with God. I'm going to be consistent in my relationship with people. I'm going to be consistent with the people in the church. I'm going to be consistent because it's so easy to be inconsistent in a world of inconsistency. I'm going to be consistent in my relationship with God. I'm going to be consistent in my generosity. I'm going to be consistent in what God's calling me to. I'm going to be consistent. Consistency is going to be the mantra, one of the mantras of 2023 in my life. I am devoted. I don't play church. I don't play a religion. I don't just mess around, fool around and go, oh, we're just going to be at church because it's just what we need to do. I just, uh, I don't really want to, uh, I don't want to be here, Pastor. Uh, I just, you know, I'm only here because I don't want you to get mad at me, Pastor Joel. No one said that, but, but I'm going to be devoted to God. I'm not going to play church. I'm going to resolve in my heart that I'm going to have this deep, heart relationship, this love relationship with God Almighty, and I'm going to make it about Him. I am generous. It doesn't, it's not about how much you make. It's not even about how much you give. You resolve in your heart, this is what I want to do, and you do it. God might give you, say, 10%. God, for some of us, might say 20%. I'm not God in that situation. He, it's not even about the 10%. It's about your heart. But I want to be generous because it is more blessed to give than to receive. Jesus said that. You're like, where? I don't see that in the Gospels, in the book of Acts. I I am faithful. I'm going to be faithful to my family. I'm going to be faithful to my friends. I'm going to be faithful to God. I'm going to be faithful in my relationship with God. I'm going to be faithful. I'm not going to be faithless. I'm not going to flirt with other false gods. I'm going to make God my God, period. It's all about him. I'm faithful. And I'm going to be a finisher. I'm not going to give up when it's hard. I'm not going to give up when I fail, because that's what we're going to talk about is fear of failure. I'm not going to stop because I fail. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. God willing, I'm going to keep going. I am a finisher. And so we're going to close in prayer, but I wrote down, I said something earlier, but this song popped in my head. It's, I have decided to follow Jesus, but man, I just want to I have decided to follow Jesus. I don't know the tune exactly, but I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Online, you may want to turn it off before that, by the way. Let's pray, Father. We thank you. 
for this time and this new year, a fresh start, a fresh canvas to paint to, for you to paint on, Lord God, a fresh novel that has no words in it. You write in my story. You're right in our story. I pray that you would help us to go in the right direction, to make the right choice. We commit and dedicate this year to you, Lord God. We have decided to follow Jesus no matter what, no turning back. Even if we do it alone, we're going to follow Jesus. We thank you in your name. Amen.